You're listening to another episode of Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where we talk about Japanese movies. Today, we're talking about Godzilla Minus One. This is, to my knowledge, the most successful Japanese movie to come out uh, in wide release in North America. Definitely this year, that's 2023, probably of the last five years or so, and my goodness, this is a fantastic movie that really puts uh, other Godzilla efforts, plenty of them, to shame. We are very excited to talk about this one. I am very excited to listen back to this one when I do listen back to it. And I'm excited to hear what you guys think about this one. We both uh, very clearly really liked this movie. And... Um, I think that we both had a lot to say about it. Uh, this is a spoiler light episode until we give a spoiler warning. We're getting better at those. I always say we're getting better. At this point, we've probably gotten better. But, you know, the way I like to see it, we are always learning. And we're still learning. And one of the things we've learned is to be better about giving spoiler warnings. So we've got one of those for you coming up pretty late into the episode. You can listen to this episode for the most part if you have not seen the movie yet, but I will say just now, and this might be a spoiler for the podcast, that uh, we would both highly recommend this movie. So if you are in doubt and you, uh, if you, if you've been on the fence about seeing it, but you're thinking you might want to see it, uh, go and do that. You just probably should see it. We're going to talk about it either way. You can listen to us. You can listen to us talk about it and then go see it or you can go see it and then listen to us talk about it. We're good either way. We will be here when you get back. Whether you want to listen to us before you see it and then after you see it again or just once after you see it. Either way, go see Godzilla minus 1 and an important element of this movie is, of course, the soundtrack, as is an important element of most movies. What's nice about this movie is Godzilla Minus One actually calls back to the original Godzilla in a lot of very important and interesting ways, and one of the ways it does that is through the soundtrack. So you're about to hear the song Godzilla Suite One, which you will notice starts with the original Godzilla theme. I'm excited for you to hear it. Here it is. Welcome back to another episode of Classic Movies Live, the pre-recorded show where occasionally 
we don't talk about American movies, and today is one of those days. Today, I want to ask you, Pierre, how many Godzilla movies have you seen? I've seen one. I saw Godzilla 2014. I -hmm. saw King of the Monsters. um, And I saw, I guess, three. Yeah, well, four now. I saw Godzilla versus Kong and then uh, the one we're talking about today, Godzilla minus one. Sorry if that's a spoiler. It's not what's coming up later. We're about Um, to talk about it. That's like a podcast spoiler. Like maybe they didn't know. Maybe they. Maybe some of our listeners like to randomly click on an episode and not know what the movie is until we start talking about it. I don't know. You never know these days. That's probably not what's happening. How, How many have you seen, Jeff? Shockingly few, actually. I think I may have a long time ago seen Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla but I don't remember it very well. I'm just pretty sure that that is a thing that I've seen. And then other than that, I've seen uh, Godzilla vs. Jet Jaguar from the 70s, the original Godzilla movie from 1953, Godzilla 2014, Godzilla vs. Kong, Shin Godzilla, and then Godzilla Minus One. So either six or seven. So not not super, not, not a, like a lot, but a few. Yeah. That, well, it's definitely more than me. I kind of wish, like, I feel very um, unrefined for, or uncultured for having only watched American Godzilla movies before this because it's kind of ironic that, you know, Godzilla was kind of used as an artistic way of expressing uh, how the the post-World War II effect Japan had after being nuked by America twice. And then oh, America's kind of taken their property, <laughs> like, not taken their property, but yeah. you know what I mean? It's just kind of funny that now it's, it's like they're, they're using it now. It's like, Oh, it's attacking America. Now it's like even crazier. Um, but yeah. Yeah. I think like the most interesting thing about Godzilla is that Godzilla, the, uh, the original Godzilla movie is so specifically Japanese that mm-hmm. like, yeah, you could remake it or like do it somewhere else. Like you can do an American Godzilla, but by necessity, it has to be something very different because yeah. like there is no way that Godzilla as a monster can mean the same, can be about the same thing for Americans as it is for Japanese for Japanese people. Yeah, as we definitely see presented and. I mean, Godzilla minus one. I don't know. I heard this is probably the closest interpretation of Godzilla to the 1953 version, I believe, in terms of themes. Yeah, I think this one is, um, I think this is super interesting because like the, the Godzilla movies that I've really, really liked, the original one and then this one and Shin Godzilla, Godzilla always represents like, he Godzilla represents something and like he's he represents like the themes the thing they have to overcome in the movie what I think is interesting is that like even when like this movie is very similar to the 53 movie in a lot of ways but it is still a very different perspective on a similar situation so like even even though Godzilla exists around the same time as like canonically around the same time as in that original movie and has to be overcome by roughly the same people. What that creature means is something completely different because of the context of the story. Yeah. 
And then there's also movies where Godzilla (laughs) is a big monster that runs around and fights things, which are the ones I like less. But oh, and like that is why I don't like the American Godzillas right now. But I also don't want that to sound like America can only make bad Godzilla movies and Japan makes only good Godzilla movies because there's like thirty of these and many Japanese Godzilla movies. Probably, I'll admit I haven't seen most of them, but like Jet Jaguar does this. They mostly boil down to Godzilla as a big monster that has has to fight a different big monster. Like yeah. it's not an it's not something that like it's not that as soon as you give it to an American, it is necessarily bad, and if you give it to a Japanese person, it is necessarily good. But yeah, I have well, found that the last couple of American movies have not been to my tastes. I'd say that um the American version, like I feel like the 2014 Godzilla was trying to uh, set up a a more thematic movie, if that makes sense. Like there was, I mean, it's kind of like we talked. I think we talked maybe a bit about it when we were talking about Gareth Edwards because that was his first big blockbuster movie. I remember when I watched the trailers for that, I was very interested because I never, I from what I had heard of Godzilla, I always heard of it as like just kind of this ridiculous monster that that destroys you know cities and obviously i didn't know it's much deeper than that until like more recently um but at the time i thought it was just like a really cool interpretation like this big epic cinematic deep thematically version version of godzilla and then it turned out that that movie was not very deep at all (laughs) Um, it was very beautiful to look at, but essentially I think the biggest issues was we don't care about any of the characters. And, um, I think part of the problem too, is that in the newest Godzilla movies, it kind of takes the human factor out of the movie completely because as I think in, by making Godzilla as scary as possible, they essentially make humanity completely useless in doing anything to stop it mm-hmm. um which to me like i think there's something there because i think obviously the theme in that movie was godzilla was just a force of nature unstoppable force of nature that was used to come out to uh kind of cleanse the world of mothra or i know not mothra but it was in the first movie there were just these other kaijus i don't think they had names but it was yeah, just, I, it was I like I'd say Godzilla was seen, they were presenting Godzilla as a, like an immune system for the earth, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, which I kind of like, but then again, like you just, you don't get any character work just because they can't affect the plot at all, you know? Um, and I think the same thing in 2019's Godzilla, King of the Monsters was another movie where Godzilla was just fighting other monsters and humans just kind of, the human characters just kind of watch for the most part. Like they can't, I think they might try to help Godzilla at times and like, but like for the most part, it's just human characters. And then at the end, Godzilla fights Mothra or something or no Mothra might've been good. I don't know. But I, so I, but I do like, I actually did like Godzilla versus Kong because I think what they were trying didn't work because they just couldn't write the human characters well. So I kind of liked how they eventually were just like, screw it. We're just going to show a whole movie of them fighting. And that's what we got. The main thing I didn't like about Godzilla versus Kong, because I liked the fights. The fights were good. And there were a lot, and they made up a lot of the movie. So that was a good thing. But when they tried to, when they did talk about the human characters, I found them 
actually like I found them whatever the opposite of good and interesting is when they actually <laughs> not not the thing is actually I can't say the opposite of interesting because they were infuriating. The human characters in Godzilla versus Kong, like the ones who are given the most screen time, the way I remember it, is like Millie Bobby Brown and her uh the person she's running around with who might have been her dad, but I think was like her uncle or something. Anyway, yeah. the people, them running around, they got the most time and they were conspiracy theorists and anyone, and they were right. And anyone who didn't agree with them was stupid because of the way the movie framed it. And I didn't like that because I really hate it when movies like give credence to conspiracy theories like that. And like, Obviously, Godzilla versus Kong isn't based on a real conspiracy theory, mm. but like it's got the same kind of vibe as every Roland Emmerich movie. And Roland Emmerich, though he's very good at doing disaster movies, he's also like he also loves spreading misinformation. <laughs> so like I don't <laughs> like that. Like his uh, he I don't know the he did a Shakespeare movie about a wildly stupid theory about Shakespeare that he took very seriously that was debunked for like 20 years before the movie even came out and people watch it and like it and are like, wow, it's even better. And I can't believe that's really who Shakespeare was. Shakespeare was an idiot. A nobleman wrote everything, which is like, okay, cool. So you don't believe that people can be smart unless they have money. That's cool. Roland. Anyway, that's not Godzilla. That's anonymous, which uh, there's my, there's my don't watch this tip for the day. Thanks. Don't watch Anonymous. Yeah, well, we have seen, I think we've seen the the multi-human subplot done well, like mm -hmm. um, Independence Day. Wait, did we talk about Independence Day? I remember no, watching No, we that. haven't. We, that movie is very well it. done. Um, and it, it was so well done that it subsequently set off multiple decades of movies trying to emulate it as much as possible and failing very badly, including Roland Emmerich. Um, yeah, but, that's Roland Emmerich's most famous movie. Yeah, so... Oh, his sorry. Most, his, Did he not direct? Most, who directed... Who directed what? Independence Day. That was Roland Emmerich. Oh, okay, never mind. I thought Actually, you were saying it like, like sarcastically, like, oh, did I mess up? I thought he did direct that. No, no. Interestingly enough, though, and I had forgotten this... Roland Emmerich's movie after Independence Day uh, was Godzilla. Right. Yeah. I, I, I forgot about that movie too. The where Godzilla is just kind of like a T-Rex or something, right? Something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So unfortunately, you know, I, I didn't mind. I thought it was done better in Godzilla versus Kong because um, I thought the cast overall had a little more charisma. I think I like, I, I like Brian Tyree Henry. Um, I think Millie Bobby Brown has some charisma and I liked how in the climactic moment they do kind of have an effect on the plot where they slow down Mecha Godzilla for like half a second and mm -hmm. that half a second gives Godzilla and King Kong the chance to destroy Mecha Godzilla. It sounds so stupid just saying it out loud, but <laughs> I think that's just kind of why I like, like we finally got to see just them fighting as they gave the people what they wanted. Do I necessarily think that makes for a great memorable movie? Probably not, but it's much more memorable than Godzilla 2014, which was trying to be something more than a, it was trying to be a lot deeper than the filmmakers were obviously uh, talented at doing, if that makes sense. So 
if they're good, if, if what all they can do is just get them to fight and make it relatively kind of cool, I mean, at least they're accepting their their strengths, which is not storytelling, I guess. But, you know, unfortunate. But Godzilla minus one is, I mean, I feel like, I don't know what the Japanese movies that you've seen for Godzilla have been like, but this, from what I've heard, this is kind of a, a change in direction while uh, also kind of um, like for, for the latest Japanese movies and it pays a very direct homage to the, the themes of the first movie. Yeah, actually it pays, it, it pays direct homage to the themes in more ways than one because mm -hmm. uh, the literal, like the Godzilla theme song is very heavily used in minus one. Mm, yeah, I recognize moments. I didn't know that was the Godzilla theme, but like, like, I, I don't think I've ever heard the Godzilla theme. Well, I probably have, but like now I, I know it for sure. Yeah, it was, it was really well done. But actually, so I guess to speak a little bit to the Japanese movies I've seen, Shin Godzilla is probably my favorite Godzilla movie. And Shin Godzilla, we were talking about this off pod, actually. It's kind of interesting because Shin Godzilla is very, very close to just Godzilla without Godzilla. What happens in, in that movie is that there is a giant disaster and like um, immediately that's all that's known. But like, as you find out, like as the movie goes on, you find out that like that giant disaster is Godzilla and the movie is all like people in boardrooms trying to figure out how to do damage control. No one actually controlling the damage just like in boardrooms having meetings. So like Godzilla, Shin Godzilla is like a satire of basically government in action. And it is not subtle about being a, a be, about being specifically a response to um, government to like the insufficient government action in the wake of Fukushima, because mm. Godzilla in that movie like the thing that Godzilla represents in that movie is basically the Fukushima disaster. Yeah. Which I, I think it's cool that that feels like it's like, they're not just, how do I say it? They're, they're trying to update. They're trying to link Godzilla to a new relative, new disaster in Jap Japanese history, which I think is an interesting take. I think like the thing that I like about Shin Godzilla and then minus one we'll talk about is that Godzilla, I think I just, I have already said this Godzilla Godzilla is a big disaster that people have to overcome. Godzilla yeah. isn't necessarily a creature that was born from the atomic bomb. Bomb, Like, in canon, sure. But, like, in Shin Godzilla, Godzilla represents the Fukushima disaster. In Godzilla, in the very first Godzilla, he represents the, like, bombing of the Bikini Atoll and, you know, mm -hmm. by extension, the atomic bomb in Japan. In uh, Godzilla Minus One... I would argue that Godzilla represents survivor's guilt. There's there's still the bomb like plot aspect here, but I yeah. would even say that like is what Godzilla is in this movie. I wouldn't say Godzilla feels like a direct um like I I thought when I heard about uh Godzilla being linked to the nuclear bomb uh in some way kind of like the idea of the nuclear bomb I mean, actually, in this movie, they they very they quite directly link Godzilla as being a type of nuclear bomb um, in the way they film him. But in other ways, it's like I think he's more of a a representation of the shattered 
the shattered unity and of the people of Japan post post bombings, if that makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. Because uh, I think the themes of like, like obviously propaganda was probably very big in Japan. Obviously there's probably a lot of people that wanted Japan to win the war in Japan, obviously um, because they're Japanese, <laughs> but um, I think that it's idea... at least safe to say no one wanted to lose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no one wanted to be bombed. Um, but you know, that idea of like losing the war and America coming in and, and basically, you know, I, I remember they, they wanted to make it very clear. They, America wanted to make it very clear that J Japan won the war um, dishonorably, essentially. I think to... you mean lost the war. Yeah, lost the war. Sorry. So, so the idea for the Japanese people of you know having so much power and then essentially losing all of that momentum in the war instantly, especially because I, I feel like a lot of the people didn't know that they were about to lose the war either way. You know, like the Japanese government probably quite quite well insisted that they were winning the war for long after they started losing it and you know the, it seems there's like in this movie there's just so much doubt of like like were we the bad guys you know like did we mess up like was our did our government care about us and there's this idea of like you know the fight against kind of their own the, the culture that the war kind of brought forward of like kamikaze fighters and stuff and not valuing human life and there's an odd sense of you know, unity in the movie too, of like trying to pick up the pieces. Godzilla's kind of represents, I think, the idea, the the threat that they will never recover from from the war, if that makes sense. Actually, that's a really good way of saying it. Like the threat that they will never recover, because I think that the I think that Godzilla is like in parts, it's like a fear of it's it's a fear of something in the past that like is actually completely un undefeatable because there's yeah. one scene in this movie where Godzilla, you know, walks into a town and destroys the town and like no one can do anything about that. Mm -hmm. He is it's it's impossible to hurt Godzilla. It's hardly even possible to get his attention. He is like I mean, not in the literal sense, he's a force of nature, but he is as powerful as one because, like, like humans don't even mean anything to him. He can just walk through, and there's nothing you can do about that situation. Yeah, which is quite a sight to behold. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know, do. Do you want to talk about like war and what the movie is? Actually, do you want to do that? Sure. So I guess, well, I missed, okay, I missed the first five minutes of the movie, so I might have missed a couple of things, but essentially we have a pilot by the name of Shikishima. He is a kamikaze pilot that did not want to kill himself. Um, so he basically betrays his duty and uh, lands on an island where uh, Godzilla ends up attacking um, I think I think Godzilla is kind of small at this point. He's not a full power or anything yet. And he basically could potentially have killed Godzilla, but then he doesn't. He doesn't shoot Godzilla and then everyone else dies except for him and one other person. And then he kind of goes back home and he's uh, trying to rebuild his life after he learns his parents have died and his home was basically destroyed. And we see him his life kind of afterwards and his struggle to recover from the idea that he betrayed his country and he's the reason they lost the war essentially. 
But in the meantime, he meets a very lovely lady who is taking care of a child who is not hers. And then they become a sort of makeshift family while Shikishima kind of bonds with a boat, a crew, a boat crew to destroy mines in the Pacific while they slowly uncover the fact that there's a new threat looming, which is Godzilla, essentially. Yeah. And then this movie, this movie, the structure of this movie is super cool. Like this is another movie that it actually isn't that long. I mean, it's, it's long, but it's not like I wouldn't classify it as like a really long movie, the way of like Oppenheimer killers of the flower moon, but like it feels like it tells a really big story and it does it in like three almost like feature length acts it's like the very there's like the very beginning there's like the introduction and then like the first part after that doesn't really even have Godzilla in it like there's a little bit of a hint that there might be something but it's yeah. really just him sort of it's really just Shikishima uh bonding with Noriko the woman he meets and like them sort of building up this life together it, the second act is where Godzilla like actually becomes a big threat and then in the third act is where they actually fight Godzilla. And each of those feels like a full story in a way. Yeah, it, it kind of, I mean, it reminded me so much of Jaws in terms of, I, I'd almost say Jaws, when we talked about it, it's it's almost like two different movies. And this movie is very similar where it's like, like you said, it's almost like three movies where it kind of starts with a war a war-torn pilot who is very depressed and betrayed his country. And then we kind of get the middle part of Godzilla rising and realizing how powerless he is. And then we kind of go into the third act, which is it becomes more of like a, a blockbuster movie at that point. And so it's like, it starts with like a war drama middle point is like a monster movie. And then the end point is like a blockbuster, like I don't want to say superhero, but it's like everyone what? gathered together, very hopeful movie. If that makes sense. The third part is very much where they go out on the boat to kill Jaws. Like, it just yeah. is that part. Yeah, literally. Um, with and, more people, um, but... <laughs> yeah. yeah. Actually, the uh, the director, Takashi Yamazaki, cited Godzilla... Uh, not Godzilla. Cited Jaws as a big influence on this movie. Yeah. Well, I, I'd be worried sense. if he didn't. <laughs> yeah. yeah. If he was like, this was not inspired by any other movie I can think of, I'd be like, oh, <laughs> wait a sec. But yeah, no, it was, I, I was surprised how, I mean, that's, this is the type of thing that the first Godzilla was trying to capture, I think was like, it's a blockbuster movie, but it cap but it, it has great human characters. It has lots of great Godzilla moments and you leave the, you leave the theater, like kind of amped, you know, cause it's like, it's like you saw a blockbuster, but you also saw a very depressing, mature movie about some very dark themes, you know? So like, I see this term thrown around a lot in, uh, especially around award season. It's just one of those nonsense words that people like to put in reviews. I see a lot of movies described as life affirming. And when I really think of what that, those words mean, I'm like, that doesn't describe any movie I've ever seen. Like there aren't, there aren't movies. There are movies that don't make me want to die, but there are very few movies where I watch it and I'm like, yeah, you know what? Life is great. I'm going to keep living. And this is yeah. like maybe the only one I've ever seen yeah. that I would genuinely call life affirming in that way. 
because this movie is all about like I mean it's the main character Shikishima he's like he's at the very beginning we learn that he's a kamikaze fighter who didn't want to who didn't want to die and then the entire movie he like a main conflict for him internally is like is it better for him like is it more respectful to the memory of the people that he left behind to die heroically and do something that like to give his life in service of his country Mm. or is it better for him to live to like honor their memory which i think is i don't know when i say it like that it sounds trite like i've seen movies that are technically (laughs) about that before but like it's so well explored here and it's like such a it's such a beautiful character arc that he gets in this movie with some Mm. like frankly just some of the most beautiful moments i've seen in movies this year there's a there's a scene at the end where he's talking to the only other guy who survived the island that he initially gets attacked by godzilla on and it's probably it's it's one of the most beautiful scenes i've seen this entire year we'll talk about it much more in depth when Mm. we go a little more spoilery yeah yeah it's um there's so much hope in the third act which really counteracts the second act which is just i mean there's a scene where godzilla walks into a city and um obviously destroys it <laughs> like very i mean that's what godzilla does um but it's just brutal it's it's so brutal to watch extremely bleak yeah and it's like a five minute scene too like it's not even like like i mean like compared to these other movies it's so bad, like like in twenty the twenty nineteen Godzilla. It's just like like city being destroyed for like fifty minutes, and you just don't care after like five minutes. But mm-hmm. this is just it was so precise with well, uh, the destruction that it really hits. And you say it's only five minutes, but that five minutes feels like uncomfortably long because. Yeah. And like that's that's a good thing here. Like it shouldn't take fifty minutes for it to feel like destroying that city is uncomfortably long. Yeah. Uh, like Godzilla walks in and there's a camera crew, like a local news crew, rolling trying to get the best footage they can. And it <laughs> like kind of funny. Oh, it yeah, it it looks <laughs> funny. It's clearly like put there kind of as a joke. And like the payoff for that joke is just that you is just that they die and you feel super sad about it. Like yeah. Like Godzilla wrecks everything. There's, you know, he's walking through the street and you see people trying to run from him and Godzilla doesn't even notice them as he's just like walking a little bit forward and killing another hundred people with, with one footstep. Yeah. It's really messed up. The, uh, and also like while we were talking a bit earlier about how, Godzilla feels a little more linked to the nuclear bomb in some ways. It's because his atomic breath, well, they call it heat breath or something, heat heat ray, I think in this, mm-hmm. um, literally looks and reacts like an atomic bomb. Uh, yeah. Sorry, that's how that city destruction scene ends, is with an atomic bomb explosion. Yeah, essentially. From Godzilla. From which Godzilla. is just, like, holy... Um, and, and then Godzilla just kind of walks. And that's like, it's just so powerful because again, like I, it, it works much, that works really well just because of this, like 
up to that point in the movie, we're, we're basically getting to know post-war World War II Japan, which is just, you know, a, a, everyone, like everything just feels very broken. Like they're, they kind of have a makeshift family just because they're all alone. That's slowly like plugging away. It's like right when they start to gain a little momentum into happiness, like another bomb essentially goes off and destroys another city. And there's like not even anyone to blame this time. It's like, it's not America's fault. It's not like they didn't do anything wrong. It's just, they were really unlucky that Godzilla happened to come to Japan and not like America essentially, right? Yeah, it's like three years later and a big, a big like plot point and a big point of pride is that that city that Godzilla ends up destroying is one that they're finally like a city again. It doesn't even look like post-war there anymore. Like Mm -hmm. they built it all back up. It's running well. And like Noriko has just gotten a job there as a desk clerk because they're doing a big hiring push throughout the city. Three years later, it's this big success story that this city is back in action. And like, you couldn't even tell that there had been a war there. And then all of a sudden, here comes Godzilla. Yeah, for like round three or whatever that that Japan has to go through. Yeah, so that... And then the whole time, Shikishima is kind of dealing with the fact that he he felt so powerless when Japan, Japan lost the war. And then he felt powerless again when all his, basically everyone on that island died when we, they first saw Godzilla um, because he froze. Um, I think they would have died anyways, even if he shot Godzilla. But the, there's that, it's like, it doesn't matter to him. It's like he could have, because again, it's like Japan was losing the war. He could have killed himself in a, in a kamikaze maneuver and they still would have lost the war. Like that, like that wasn't not the deciding factor, but to him it was. You know, it's the same thing with Godzilla where he was given this, it was put in his mind that he could have made a difference and it's his fault that everyone died again, you know? Yeah, and I think it's like, that's that's a big thing through the movie too, is every time where he's given the opportunity to make a difference or like to think when he's given like the idea that he could make a difference like that, he doesn't do something, he chooses to live instead and like, you know, the outcome is probably the same as if he hadn't chosen to live. Yeah. But he'll never know because he's alive and everyone else is dead. Like on that yeah. island, he could shoot Godzilla, and that probably and that could probably at that point it seems like that might have distracted Godzilla. Would that have distracted him long enough that it would have meant anything? Probably not. Mm-hmm. But you know, that is just a reality that we don't get to find out now because mm-hmm. he didn't do it. Yeah. And so he'll never know if what he actually, if what he could have done would have resulted in anything because mm-hmm. he didn't do anything. Yeah. That lack of knowing just tortures him throughout the whole movie. And then that's why, you know, the third act comes in. And I mean, I guess he's still kind of like, like his mission the whole time is like he wants to make a difference. And he kind of has a death wish going into it where he's like, I have to die to make a difference because that's kind of what he was, um, what, what his mentality was at the start, you know, and, but it's, it's a lot different now because he's come so far. He has like, he kind of, he has a daughter that isn't his, but he loves as much as like it it is, it's his adopted daughter essentially. And she's his adopted daughter and 
and he has a lot of friends that care about him and he has a country that he can help, you know, uh, do good, do good with, you know, so it's that, that tension in the the final part where it's just like, he still wants to die, but he has so much to live for is just very, I mean, it, it gives us a good motivation into the final scene of like, what is he going to do? You know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very happy. They, I'm not going to say, all right. I'm not going to say what he did, but I'm happy they chose what I'm happy. They chose the plot point. They did. If that makes sense. I will say that the ending of this movie works very well. Yeah. And with that, I will say this is probably a good time for spoilers. So here is a spoiler warning before we talk about the ending a little bit. Okay. Pierre, go ahead. Well, I I feel like so many of the movies that I've seen where the, the main character has a death wish and then is given something to live for. I mean, the, the first one that comes to my head is Logan. I hate it when the character ends up dying anyways, because it just, I feel like it destroys that plot line, if that makes sense. Like, mm-hmm. if Logan starts the movie with a death wish, I guess you could argue that, oh, now that he finally has something to live for, he dies. But it doesn't really come off that way, you know? It comes off as he wanted to die, but he also got one last chance to to love someone essentially. Mm-hmm. Whereas this movie I, I thought was going to go the same way. I actually did until the very end. I was worried they would, because the thing is like his arc doesn't work. And like, I mean, it's the same thing with Logan. The arc doesn't work unless he lives and he lives happily, mm-hmm. you know, like he's been given a reason to live, let him be happy, you know, because the whole point is like that character, even though they were given something to live for, they still want to die. And, and so that, that that's not the conflict anymore. The conflict is, will they choose to live? Will they find a way to live? And that's mm-hmm. the real art. You know, it's not the it's not the finding something you love and then dying because that's it's like it's still I don't want to say it. It's like too easy to give them a, a reason to die. It's much wanna, better yeah, writing to give them a reason to fight to live because then mm-hmm. that's the completion of the arc. Yeah. Um. I want to provide just a little bit of context for the very ending. Like the final act essentially is a scientist, a scientist that uh, Shikishima has bonded with up until this point gets a bunch of ex naval officers, like a, a bunch of, a bunch of people who have, who were soldiers and have survived the war. He gets yeah. them all together to, take down Godzilla as private citizens. Like technically the government is not involved in this, but like they're the only people who would be able to, uh, they're going to be able to get government ships because they need government ships, but they're also the only people that would be able to do this. So they get this whole plan together and they like make a many point plan to killing Godzilla with contingencies in case. Mm -hmm. And from the very start, everything kind of starts to go wrong. But as like as things work out, like Shikishima ends up being the uh, ends up being the like deciding factor in making things actually work out. But the point that I the reason I wanted to provide that context is like they get together this entire group of people who all kind of have death wishes. Not we don't know all of their stories, so we don't know if they're all Shikishimas or if or if like <laughs> some of them you know are a little less yeah. depressed, I guess. But, like, Shikishima ends up being kind of, he ends up being the mouthpiece for all of these people, and by extension, kind of an entire generation um, Mm -hmm. 
because at the very end, like going into that fight, the uh, the guy who came up with the plan says, "I would be proud if no one dies here. We should be we should beat Godzilla without anybody dying." Yeah. And then at the very end, it looks like Shikishima is going to do his thing anyway, disobey everybody, win the fight, but still die. And like the fact that he doesn't, by extension, nobody dies. Even though there are like even though in yeah. that scene, like there are people that die by extension, like through Shikishima, that ends up being like that's the life affirming part. Like the message of that entire fight ends up being that it is like ends up being them fighting to live for something as you were Mm. saying instead of like fighting for a better future for everyone else which is nice but that's not the point of this movie Mm. and in fact i think a big conflict of this movie is like at what point does fighting for a future for everybody else end up making fighting for your own future like end up interfering with fighting for your own future. Yeah, it's. I don't know. Well, that's. I think that's what makes the movie really because that that human. It's like it's. It's it a very big part of the movie, but it's just more of a way for the characters to to move through their own character arcs, you know. And we see we see that in, you know, Shikishima deciding he wants to survive, and we kind of see that with. Even his friend, you know, like the the mechanic, he gets over his anger about losing the war, essentially, and blaming Shikishima for, you know, the deaths, like Japan Japan losing the war and also all their friends dying on that island. Because they're all kind of getting to a point where there's just a lot of unity and they value the lives of each other, you know. And there's that one scene where, you know, like you said, that some of them might have a death wish because they're still like... They saw Godzilla like Nuka City. They're probably thinking they it's very possible they die when they go help. But that scene is so beautiful where because it, it I don't even think Shikishima mattered that much in the scene, but like as a collective, we like Japan's almost like a character in this movie, like the the community of Japan where they're all very down, you know. And then that one scene where it's like some people leave because they're like, like, we just went through a war, man. Like and a while, like we didn't even want to go to war and we went to war. And we got this shit kicked out of us. Like, you really want us to go to war again? It's not fair. This is stupid. And then they leave. And then a lot of people stay. But it, like, it's such a beautiful moment where it's just like, we're going to do it because no one else will. That sounds so defeatist, but it's it's basically like, like it's a beautiful moment in that like, they, they're going to do it. They know they're going to die. But it doesn't matter because, again, they have a duty to protect the people of Japan because I feel like, you know, during the war, there was probably this very big doubt of like, are we doing that? Like this, this war isn't very good. We're hurting a lot of people, you know, and that's what it felt like uh, in the movie. But then now it's like they finally have a reason to fight, which is for each other, essentially. And I think that's what's beautiful about that scene is that like, to me, it did feel like, like you were saying, like, we're going to do it because no one else will. But it didn't make it, that didn't feel, I mean, I guess you just said this, that didn't feel defeatist. Like, it didn't, to me, feel like they all did that with the knowledge that they are going to die. Because, like, clearly that was all in the back of their heads. Some of them had a death wish. 
some of them were like, well, I, I will die this way and that will be good for, and, that, and that's going to be good for whatever. It felt like there was a real undercurrent through a, of a lot of them there that like, we're going to do this and we're going to live. And I yeah. don't know if there actually was, but the way that that scene is presented, it's so weird. It's, it's so unique because I don't see any judgment cast on the people who actually just decide to leave during that where in a scene like that you know in a scene like that in a different movie i would expect when they say this is voluntary you don't have to be you don't have to stick around that's where i expect like the pieces of shit to walk out the people that the movie has already told us aren't worth their aren't worth anything but like here where the people walk out and because they're you know they don't want to put their lives in danger they want to just live after having just dealt with a war like I don't see any judgment cast on them in that in this movie. Like everyone could have walked out mm-hmm. in that scene, and it would have still it wouldn't it would have still felt hopeless, but it wouldn't have felt differently hopeless. I guess. Yeah. Than it already like, does. <laughs> I totally walk out. <laughs> like, yeah. I would be very scared. Yeah. No, it reminded me of I don't know if you've seen Chernobyl, but there's a scene where Stellan Skarsgård gives a great monologue too about. I mean, it's actually quite similar. It's like he literally says, like, like you got to do it because it's got to be done and no one else can secure the reactor, essentially. And it's just a very powerful moment of, I mean, I think that's, it's just a very human emotion of like, you know, sometimes I think we're a lot more capable than we think and we're a lot braver than we think. And those moments in these movies are like, what kind of show that, you know, Mm. and like we get them in superhero movies, but it's like superhero movies. There's just kind of like, well, you have superpowers, like you should do it, you know, but it's a movie like this where everyone is just so human and vulnerable. It, it just means so much more, you know, when they're like, and again, especially like I can, I cannot describe how, how much the context of the post-war Japan really gives so much to this movie that I'm like, after watching this i'm like you can't it's almost like you can't make godzilla in any other time period because it's just such a beautifully horrific metaphor of japan at the time unless this was all like i don't i hope it's accurate because they're you know like maybe they were all partying after i i doubt that but the movie presents a very good image of that yeah, I was gonna say. I think if it was wildly inaccurate, it would have we we would have heard much worse news coming out of Japan. Yeah, it wasn't it, about this, it was, and like people in Japan seem to have liked this movie enough. Yeah, it, it was no Napoleon. So, but yeah, so that that human element really like helps the movie so much. And again, like that's what was missing from the other movies, especially like Shikishima and his partner in this movie. Like they never marry and they never I don't think they ever like kiss or anything either. It's just kind of imply they live together. Mm-hmm. And but he he is too stuck in the war to have feelings for her. But they have great chemistry. Yeah. There's some beautiful moments between them. Like I it's like it's just crazy. Apparently these are all like very big stars in Japan. So I don't wanna uh I just wanna point that out that like these aren't unknown actors, so I'm sure they're you know, very talented. They've been other great movies, but like, and I wouldn't doubt like these, these felt like Oscar worthy performances in a blockbuster movie. Cause it was just insanely good. Him and, uh, I'll just have to look up the name. Of, I the think name of the character is Noriko. Noriko. 
Um, the name of the actors are Rianoski, Kamiki, and Minami Hamabe. But I hope I pronounced yeah. that right. I probably didn't. But. Yeah, it's okay. We're doing our best, Japan. Yeah, they, they had amazing chemistry. The entire boat had a great dynamic of the boat crew. Mm-hmm. Um, and I loved how that that got into his personal life too. Of like, there's that one scene where one of the older people on the boat who is yeah, he's almost like I'd say he's like kind of the comic relief. He gets really mad at Shikishima for basically. Uh, there's a point where Shikishima thinks his wife died, or not his wife, but like the I don't even know how to like his the person he lives with partner. Uh, partner. He thinks she died, and he gets mad at him because he's just like. Like she loved you for like the past two years and you didn't do anything about it. Like you're, you're like, you're such an asshole. And it's just a really powerful moment because it's like there, I mean, you, he's saying that, but it's out of love because it's just like, you had a beautiful family. You just have to, you just had to accept it. And you didn't until, and you still actually, he, he still hadn't accepted his family until the very, very end of the movie. Um, yeah. Well, I guess, no, maybe he did because he didn't want to kill himself. We, we find out that he cares once he ejects from the plane, but we don't know if he'll eject from the plane until the very last moment. There's a, there's a line they keep saying in this movie where he's talking, where he talks about his war not being over. And that's why yeah. he can't like move past anything. That's yeah. he, he brings that up. I mean, he specifically says that line to Noriko at one point. And then during the scene that you're talking about, I don't remember if he says it exactly, but he brings that up again. Like he can't commit to Noriko in any way because he's still dealing with the events of the war that at that point are four or five years ago. Yeah. And there was Um, no therapy at the time. (laughs) (laughs) And like, I guess I do want to also highlight my, probably my favorite supporting performance in this movie is from Munetaka Aoki. I believe that's who it is, uh, Mm -hmm. who plays the, other survivor from the mm. from the repair base at the beginning. Yeah, um, he's not in the movie very long. He's in it very briefly at the beginning, and then he has a more he has an important but still minor presence in the third act. But mm. he has probably my favorite scene, maybe of any movie this year, where he explains where the eject button is on the plane. <laughs> Yeah. to Shikishima on a plane that I believe I don't know if it actually said this but I was under the impression the plane did not have an eject button before that and so like him going over the eject button and like showing where that is and saying like and, and just telling his buddy like I'm not going to influence what you want to do but live Yeah, is, <laughs> yeah. is such a powerful scene to me and yeah. I think that uh I think that Munetaka Munetaka Aoki does an incredible job with that in that character. Yeah, well, he he I guess he symbolizes like res- respect and honor for Shikishima because essentially Shikishima specifically wants him to repair the plane and help him prepare it to fight Godzilla because he wants him to know that he is willing to kill himself and he wants to regain his honor. Essentially, I think, mm-hmm. um, and the fact well, that. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, and like, if there's anyone alive, if there's any specific person alive that Shikishima has disappointed with his actions, which, to be clear, 
the point of this movie is that he shouldn't worry about that. But if there is anyone alive that is disappointed that Shikishima is still alive after what he did, it's that guy. Yeah. And so when that guy <laughs> tells him to live and is like, and it's basically him being like, and I don't even know if forgiveness is the right term. It's just like, we have to move past this. Yeah. And I mean, and also that represents Japan as a whole too. It's just like, because that, there's that switch of mindset from the start of the movie where, you know, Shikishima first comes home. And I mean, he comes from a bunch of people on that island dying and this one guy being like, it's all your fault. And then he goes home and he finds out his parents died. And not only does he find out his parents died, but their neighbor is just giving him shit for being like, you came back, like you're alive. Why would you come back? Like you're supposed to be dead. You died, you're supposed to die for our country, you know? So there's just this barrage of shame that comes down on him and... It's yeah, it's that it feels very earned and beautiful when I mean, even that lady too, eventually, like, like they all want him to live, you know, it's no longer it's it's like Japan cares about each other again, you know, it's a very good sense of community, despite only we only really get like, you know, six or seven characters that have big scenes in this movie, but you just feel Japan as a whole healing. And then at that point, it's almost like Godzilla isn't so much of a threat but it is a tool that reignited that passion and companionship for the Japanese people, which might represent, I don't know. I don't, I'm not entirely sure how Japan recovered from the war, but I bet there's a good story there. And I bet Godzilla might represent that as well. The, the unity of Japan afterwards. So I will admit I have not seen Japanese reviews of this movie, mostly because I don't know where to look, but I would be very interested to see what Japanese reviews of this movie are because I, my understanding of Japan makes this a very powerful movie in my eyes. And like, the thing is my understanding of Japan comes from me having never lived there. So like, it's not, you know, I'd be curious to know like what the actual Japanese, uh, what, what Japanese reviews of this movie say. Yeah. Well, especially because, you know, it's, it's been so long. I wonder how many people being raised, you know, people my age, probably don't know much might not even know much about post-war japan at the time you know and mm -hmm. and all like like i i mean i didn't i never even thought of like how a kamikaze pilot would feel not dying you know <laughs> like that's not something I ever considered until now it was just like wow like that's a really powerful emotion of like wanting to die for your country and then not because you were scared and like how would you deal with that you know mm -hmm. so yeah i don't know it's a, it's a great movie i will say couple of things it really had me until the very end and then it kind of didn't ruin itself for me but it definitely brought it down a couple pegs for me at the very very end which i'm very sad about because up till then it was a great movie for me an amazing movie i'd say it's still great but i'd say the last the last couple scenes really took the wind out of me in terms of how much i loved it I don't know if you have any thoughts on those scenes. The... Is it possible that you're describing that you're talking about the fact that Noriko survives? Yeah, that yeah. and Godzilla potentially surviving too. I don't know. So Godzilla potentially surviving doesn't bother me too much because in my, I read this movie as Godzilla being Im impossible to completely vanquish. Like he's a monster that re represents something bigger that's never actually going away. You can overcome it, but like Godzilla will come back when there's some other thing that 
you know, people need to overcome or something. I think that like the fact that he's still alive doesn't actually, I don't think that kills the themes of the movie for me in, or, or even like weakens them at all. Noriko surviving at the end, I think is a little bit on the nose because when Shikishima comes in and sees Noriko, they basically very quickly recite all the themes of the movie and then go to the credits, which like, it's not horrible. It's not the best ending. I think it would have been just as, if not more powerful, if, you know, not even necessarily we have confirmed that Noriko dies, but just not to have confirmed that she's still alive would be just as powerful. Because like at that point, you know, when when Shikishima makes his decision to live, he's living for the people who are still alive mm-hmm. and to honor the memory of the people who have died. Mm-hmm. And when one of those people at the end just hasn't died, it doesn't cheapen it <laughs> that much, but it is like, it's putting someone who was in one category into a different category. And at that point, it feels almost arbitrary. Yeah, especially like, I think if they paced it better and they kind of let him celebrate and then he comes home and then maybe she's there or something like not fully healed, obviously, or something. It's just like, I think we were caught in the celebration. Like, Oh my God, like they did it. But then like this, they celebrate for like 30 seconds because instantly he's like, Oh wait, my wife's alive. And then it, or my partner's alive. So then it goes from like celebration. We kill Godzilla instantly into Wait a sec, there's like a whole other subplot that we have to finish off. And then not only that, but that scene ends very quickly too. I was going to say, I think I would be less upset. I, I think it would work better for me if it wasn't a surprise. Because as soon as Noriko has like her death scene, we just never hear about... Well, like we never... She no longer plays into the plot. After mm-hmm. that point, like she she comes up plenty of times. But, like, she is, for all intents and purposes for the story, dead. And everyone treats her as if she is dead. Yeah. If they just didn't do that, if she was, like, severely injured, but, like, you know, I don't know, functionally dead, but potentially still alive, I I don't think that would be as powerful. But I think that 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 bit at the end where it turns out she's still alive would bug me a little less because the main thing that bugs me is that it's a surprise. Yeah, I didn't... It, it it felt it just felt cheap i guess like a shock yeah. factor like she's still alive like and then it was like a little too perfect of an ending like maybe i i would have been happier if she wasn't so awake <laughs> i don't know like, <laughs> maybe he walks in like i think okay i'm not i'm not the director but i'm gonna i'm gonna pitch a potential ending that i think could have been better is they celebrate he goes home with his friends and then he finally, we see a scene of him truly embracing his daughter as his daughter, you know, mm-hmm. um, and they get a scene. And then like maybe a month later, it's like a month later period where he gets a note and then he goes to see her and she, and he doesn't really, we don't get a scene of them talking, but maybe a scene of he holds her hand and she's still like unconscious, but like recovering, you know, mm-hmm. Um, I think that would have been a lot more subtle. Uh, I think this, like what you said, he walks in and then she doesn't even like make a face too much. She's like, she's not like, oh my God, like you're here. You're like, okay. And like, here's my daughter. She's just kind of like, hello. And then he he walks in, he's like, oh my God. Like it just, it felt oddly like 
like you said, it felt like the director was like, okay, I need him to say the war is over now as quickly as possible and as directly as possible because we ran out of budget for this movie. <laughs> That's what it kind of felt like. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think I pretty much agree. Okay, yeah. And the Godzilla, yeah, I guess I guess I just wish they teased it maybe post-credits or like maybe, like, I don't mind Godzilla coming back. I just like, it's like, come on, like he... We just said the war is over and now Godzilla is still alive. Like, because I feel like it implies that Godzilla is going to come back soon. I hope it's like Godzilla comes back in like 20 years. Well, and we we revisit him and he's like an older man with a daughter. And we get like we get like a Terminator 2 kind of movie where he's dealing with his daughter skipping school and stuff while also having <laughs> to fight Godzilla or something. I don't know. Well, I guess like. It's a weird it's a weird scene to have at the end because it's like a sequel tease, but I don't know, is this a movie that gets a sequel? I it's not impossible. Yeah. It certainly got it, it certainly did well enough that it could justify a monetarily a sequel. But yeah. like this isn't a sequel to the events of Shin Godzilla, and whatever the next Godzilla is, like it would be a little weird if it was a sequel to the events of Godzilla minus one. Not impossible, yeah. just like I don't know. It's weird to tease a sequel because everyone knows there's another Godzilla movie that will eventually come out. Mm-hmm. But like, is it going to be tied to this one? I guess I it could not. be. It's just like, <laughs> why would you though? Yeah. And I think it might ruin, like there is some rumors that she's alive because she got radiated by Godzilla and she got the healing factor or something. And then that she's going to talk to Godzilla in the next movie or something. Like, oh my God. I really hope they don't do that because that's the point. It's like a serious movie. It's not too crazy. It's not too corny. I, I I just hope they don't go down that route and they just have different characters in a sequel or, or maybe this was just like a Godzilla never dies moment and the sequel or another movie will be unrelated, but please don't ruin these characters. Um, and if they do, I'll just, I'll decanonize it in my head. <laughs> so there you go. So, to uh, to sort of wrap things up, uh, what are your final thoughts on this movie? Uh, really good. I, I want to watch the other Godzilla movies now. And this is probably my favorite movie of the year. And that's really cool to me, considering it's it's also like a blockbuster movie and also from Japan. But it's probably the, the most nuanced, beautiful movie I've seen that also has some pretty sick action scenes, which is really crazy to think about. Yeah, I I agree. I don't know if I'd put it as my... I don't think it's my number one favorite of the year, but, like, when I go through and make that list, it's going to be on there. Like, this is... Yeah, for sure. This is very good. And um, I want more Godzilla movies like this. Some people like silly Godzilla. I don't, but there's a reason <laughs> that that exists, and that's it's not bad that that exists. Mm-hmm. As long as this can exist at the same time, then, like... I'm I'm happy with that. I want yeah. I want more Godzilla movies like this. Yeah. This is what I wanted out of a sequel to Shin Godzilla. Like yeah. I didn't want it to continue Shin Godzilla. I wanted another Godzilla movie that is that impactful. Yeah. And I think that this one delivers on that and maybe more, honestly. Yeah, it's it's great. I I highly recommend people watch it and I hope we get more Japanese movies in the future honestly cuz like that's I'm really good, and I hope we like. Apparently, Japan has a great film industry. So, yeah, yeah, it would be very cool if 
uh, it would be very cool if like a Japanese movie came out and I just recognized everyone in it because yeah, be nice. they're as big of stars here as they are there. And like, again, yeah. I'm saying I can fix that because I could just watch more Japanese movies. But the point <laughs> is that like, it would be very cool for non-American movies to make it over here more often. Yeah. Well, hey, they watch our movies all the time or American movies. Exactly, so right? I feel like it'd be great if the world got more of that in general. So uh, there was your final thoughts, but uh, let's let's put a number on it. What would you give this movie? Give it an eight. Nice. I'm going to give this a solid nine from me. Yeah. I think it was a nine until that ending, and then I got an eight. So unfortunately, so, so close. I don't know. I was going to say, that makes it sound like... That that makes it sound like I like this movie more than you, but I don't think that's true. Like, <laughs> yeah, maybe not. I, I, I gushed about it a lot. I, I think you might have liked this movie more than me. I gushed. I, I teared up a bit too. Like, I was surprised. I never thought I'd tear up in a Godzilla movie. That's actually the most common thing I've heard from this movie. Is like just my friends, various friends of mine, saying, "Cried four times in this movie." Yeah, no, it's crazy, and it's not just sad moments. Like, I cry. They're happy cries too. <laughs> like, it's all over yeah. the place. It's crazy. All right. Well, what's uh, what's the last word today, Pierre? Minus. <laughs>